in the shower, car, or on the can. As moms, we all know those are about the only times in a day where we are alone and sane, if we're lucky. That's why we created Mom Goal, a weekly podcast designed to give moms all they need to know to become moguls in 15 minutes or less. So lather up, turn up the volume, or stay secretly hiding in peace on the pot a bit longer. Let's go. Welcome back, Mom Goals. Joining us again to continue our important conversation around choking is the amazing Gail Gould, also known as the CPR and safety lady who has over 30 years experience in CPR plus first aid and emergency response training. So we are in very, very good hands here. Gail, welcome back to the show. Let's just pick back up where we left off last week in our choking conversation. But this time, talk us through how we can help a toddler or a kid choking. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Christina. So glad to be here and share what what I love to talk about. So choking relief for toddlers is different than it is for infants and children. So in the CPR world, an infant is zero to one year. A child is one up to eight and eight and up as an adult. So how are you going to know if your toddler is choking? Choking, as I said before, is mostly silent. You will hear very little noise, no noise at all. The older child may even give you the universal distress signal, help me, I'm choking. Now you know this child has an informed body obstructing their airway, they're choking, and this is what you want to do. So you make a fist, you place your thumb right inside the fist, so I'm going to place my fist right above the navel, well below the ribcage, and kind of have her lean over, and I'm going to give her an inward, upward thrust almost like you're drawing the Nike swoosh. And each thrust with the intent to expel it from the airway. I've done this successfully on my son. I've literally talked to thousands and thousands of people who have successfully administered choking relief. I've had people take the training with me, email me a week later and tell me, oh my God, that thing you taught me to do, I had to use it on my child or my husband or my coworker or my friend or It is very, very effective. Everybody needs to know what to do. But you know, like we talked about last week, most importantly is do not give your child foods they can choke on. So foods young children can choke on are peanuts, popcorn, hard candy, large chunks of meat, large chunks of fruit, large chunks of vegetables, (laughs) even canned corn for a very young child can cause an obstructive airway. The most common choking object are going to be coins, pennies, nickels, and dimes. Extremely common. I'll bet you I've met well over a thousand people that have told me either their children choked on coins, they choked on coins, you know, a penny under the sofa to a little infant or toddler crawling around looks very, very curious. Right. Thing that I do want to mention here are latex balloons. Do not let your kids put latex balloons in their mouth and blow them up. Once it pops back in the airway, you pretty much could forget about getting it out. Here in Houston, where I live, the two large children's hospitals, Texas Children's Hospital, Memorial Hermann, don't even allow latex balloons. They only allow mylar balloons because of the choking hazard. Oh, wow. I didn't even think about that. That's Your major choking hazard. And you know, I'm not trying to trick anyone. No, it's great to know. But it's just, you know, it's best to prevent these things from happening in the first place. I mean, sometimes, you know, things happen, right? 
Like I didn't know my son and his friend were gonna be throwing jelly beans in each other's mouths at the grocery store. And that's when I had to administer choking relief. Two little thrusts of jelly bean came flying right out. Love it. So I like your analogy of the Nike swoosh and making sure when we put our fist right above the belly button, it's in and up and trying to really focus on getting it up. Are any back blows involved in the toddler, which what age it's one One and up. So what I just showed you is what you would do for a one-year-old, a three-year-old, a five-year-old, a 56-year-old, a 14-year-old, anyone over the age of one, this is what you do. And um, it is extremely common. You're much more likely to be doing this choking relief than you are to be doing CPR. So you know, now if someone stops breathing as a result of choking, then you have to do CPR. So if we're doing this Heimlich maneuver and nothing is coming up and they stop breathing, that's when we start implementing CPR. That's when you call 911 and start the steps of CPR. Death from choking is not that common. Around 4,000 people a year die from choking. Unfortunately, 3,000 of the 4,000 who die each year from choking are children. One child dies every five days here in the United States from choking on food. That just, that statistics always kind of gives me pause because it is a preventable emergency. And, um, you know, I've met people whose children have died from choking. And it is, you know, it is a preventable emergency. There are things you can do to reduce your risk. Do not give your children foods they can choke on. Make certain you pick up those pennies and nickels and dimes that are under the sofa. Well, Gail, thank you so much because this information, like we said, even though we took CPR courses, it's always a great refresher to know. And for everyone who wants to take Gail's course on CPR and choking, you can find it at www.cprandsafetylady.com. 30 minutes and all the tips you need to know. And tune in next week because Gail is teaching us the techniques for CPR. So thanks, Gail. Thank you. Mom goals. It is five minutes with the one and only Ren Kelly this week. Ren Kelly, can you introduce yourself? Who are you? Ren Kelly. And how old are you? Five. Five. Okay. So, Ren, I have some questions for you. All right. You ready? <laughs> Ren, what do you want to do when you grow up? I want to be a rock star singer. Ooh. Do you want to like go on tour and stuff around the world? Yep. What? Are you going to let your mama come? Yeah. I get to come on on world tour with you? Yeah. On your rock star tour? I love it. Real um, rock star tour. Rock star tour. Okay. Awesome. Rin Carter Kelly coming to a stadium near you. Okay. Rin, do you have a hobby or a talent that you think would become a business and make money? What do you think is your talent? I think my talent is to sing and singing could probably make money because people will come and give me money and I'll make a money box and save up all my money to get like my very own stage. Ooh, so your tour would make the money for you. That's, yep, that makes sense. Because all around the world, they give money for how awesome they, they think your show is. Oh, yes, correct. Okay, 
Now, what are taxes? Do you know what taxes are? They're a car that drives you there. Okay, we gotta we gotta tell you about taxes and how some of your money is taken out of they your paychecks. Take, they take it out so people could get houses. I mean, it goes to the government, right? And we don't really know what happens from there. Okay, next question. If you were to write a book featuring you, Rin Kelly, as the main character, how would you describe yourself? I would describe myself of me like singing like with a little bit of notes. Hmm, because that's what you like to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, Rin, what is a friend? A friend is someone who cares about you and someone who liked you and someone who really likes to be with you and want to be like you. Yeah, that's a good definition. Okay, what is one thing you wish your parents would stop doing? What do you wish me and Dada would stop doing? I wish you could let us do everything I want. (laughs) Whatever you want? Yeah. Oh, but what do I always say? Mom's the boss. I make the rules. Is that what I say to you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What do you think mommy wants to be when she grows up? We want to be a writer. That's right. Correct. And I am a writer. Yeah. So we're going to do it. What would you do if you were in charge of the whole world? I would let them be kind to others and do the right thing. Very good answer. Should we vote for you for president? Yeah. Okay. What do you see when you look in the mirror? I see me having a talent that's really big and beautiful. (gasps) What's that? It means singing inside of you. Oh, I like that. I want to tell you something, Mommy. If I was president, I wouldn't be able able to sing because I would have to be president and I couldn't like sing. And you couldn't sing. What would you rather be? I would rather be a singer. Okay. Yeah, president's a very hard job. Okay. If kids ran the world, how would it be different? It would be different because they would just let other people be not kind to each other. If kids ran the world? Mm-hmm. Do you think there'd be a lot more candy in the world? Yeah, and they would just get a bellyache and... <laughs> That's why I don't want kids to be Oh, we need some rules, right? Yeah. Yeah, we we need need some some rules. rules. (laughs) Okay, last question. What is a mom goal? I don't know. You don't know what a mom goal is? It's the name of this podcast, woman. (laughs) Do you know what? It's called mom plus mogul. Does that make sense? Mom goal. And it's all about moms putting themselves first to be better for everybody else. Cool? Yep. Okay. Well, thank you, Green Kelly, for joining the Mom Go podcast this week. And stick around next week because Griffin Schneider takes a turn in the hot seat. Can you say bye, guys? Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Mommy. Welcome back to Five Minutes of Emotions with David Copeland, a death doula and founder of Live Without Regrets. Now, we've all probably heard of having a birth plan, but you say having an end-of-life plan is just as important. Tell us what an end-of-life plan is, David. So an end-of-life plan is just the same as having a birth plan. One of the most intimate parts of living and coming into this world is living and also dying. So with that plan, you go through 
six phases is what I have for my plan. It's six phases where you discuss the location of where you want to die. If that's going to be at home, if that's going to be in an institution, if you don't want people around. The second phase is when we talk about respite care. Do you need help? We talk about things that's going to, that you need for like power of attorney. Do you need a will and testament done? Let's look over your life insurance policies and beneficiaries. We go through all of these phases to ensure that your end of life process is very smooth and that when you transition, it's not a burden on your loved ones or your family to try to figure out what it is that you wanted, how it is that you wanted it, what songs did you want sing, who do you want to be involved in your end of life process. It helps to prevent a lot of court issues when it comes down to if you slip away and you have children, who gets the children, the godparents or the grandparents? So these are conversations that we have in the end of life plan so that you're able to navigate death without having to worry if you have everything in order and your family has a way to navigate it with you without wondering what it is that you wanted. So the end of life plan is our tool that we use to guide us. It's our footprints that we look to, to guide us to that end of life process when you transition. I mean, it makes sense that just as we try to script out how we would like to come into the world, having that same script as we leave the world is also important. So you're kind of that middleman who asks these questions, makes the person and the families take a look at all of this stuff. So you're kind of that agent, I want to say. Yeah, it's an agent. It's an agent. We work in the in-between is what I tell people. Doulas work in the in-between. Those spaces that need to be filled, we try to fill them. We have the plan set, but sometimes it don't work out that way. So we navigate to try to get back to that line to get to the final destination. Well, and the in-between can be very muddy and gray and ugly. And sadly, I feel like with death comes a lot of family drama and a lot of hurt. And, you know, just I feel like it brings up a lot of stuff with people. Do you agree? It brings up a lot of stuff in people and it brings up a lot of memories, a lot of pains, a lot of issues. But the doula is there to help navigate that. We, you have to have a high EQ to be able to be a doula. Your emotional intelligence on how to structure conversations and how to guide a person that is with the high emotion out of the room to be able to have conversations that are hard, are challenging when it comes down to death and dying. Because people don't like to talk about it. But the doula's there to assist the dying person along with the family. And you become a part of the family where you're able to ask questions, those detailed questions on what's affecting you so bad or why is it so hard so that folks are able to let go. This is fascinating. Um, Thank you so much for doing what you do, honestly. I didn't even know this was a thing, but it makes sense. So thank you for answering your calling and doing this. If you want to connect with David, you can connect with David directly on his live without regret site at www.lwrdoula.com and stick around next week where David gives us the courage to face mortality. See you next week. All right, mom goals. That's all the time we have. Thanks for listening. Want more mom goal? Follow us on Instagram at mom goal. And don't forget to leave us a review.